First from Ephesians 2. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. And then in 1 Peter, as you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. In Hebrews 10, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. And finally, in the book of Acts, and day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it instructs us and that it challenges us. We thank you that it comforts us and that it heals us. We pray now through this, uh, this message from you that you would strengthen us, draw us nearer to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. When I, when I talk about rhythms as a community, the, the Bible really talks about community rhythms or the people of God, the rhythms of the people of God in two ways. The Bible talks about the people of God gathering together and then the people of God being scattered together. And all, all over Scripture, we see this rhythm of gathering together and then scattering together. When God calls Abraham, he calls him out of his country and says, I'm going to make your name great. I'm going to give you descendants. I'm going to gather you to be my people. Why? So that through you, the nations will be blessed. So there's a gathering for the sake of scattering. When God rescues the Israelites out of Egypt and sends them through the, the wilderness into the promised land, he says, I am gathering you into the promised land to be my people. Why? So that you will be a light to the nations. Again, this gathering for the sake of scattering. We see when Jesus calls together his disciples, he calls them, as Mark tells us, so that they would be with him and so that he would send them out. Jesus gathers his disciples so that he can scatter his disciples. In the Great Commission, Jesus pulls together his followers on the last day and says, all right, now, now that you've come to be with me, I am sending you out. This is the rhythm of the people of God. We gather together and we are scattered together. Now, in Ephesians 
chapter 2, which we'll spend our time looking at, Paul, he sort of, he takes that gathering and scattering and he defines it a little bit more. He uses three illustrations, three um, sort of word pictures to fill out what does it mean to gather and scatter. And these are the three images. He says that we are uh, citizens of a new nation. He says that we're building blocks of a structure. He calls us a holy temple of the Spirit. Those are the three uh, illustrations that we're going to look at today. First, he calls us new citizens. We're citizens of a new nation. Look at verse 9. He says, so then, 19, sorry. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but fellow citizens with the saints. And in this paragraph, this this part of chapter 2, Paul is talking about um, Gentiles, non-Jewish people, coming together with Jewish people, becoming a new people who have a common faith in Jesus. He's talking about people who were once far off being gathered together. This is the work of Jesus. Jesus himself died on the cross. He bled for our sins, paid our debt in order to bring people who were once enemies with each other into a new community. This is what he's talking about in Ephesians 2. And this is the first thing we have to know about what does it mean to be gathered as the people of God. That the church is to be a group of unlikely people who would not gather together if it were not for Jesus. That we are to be this group of difference. People that don't have the same background or the same culture. We're supposed to be different. God has called this group together. And they're united because they're shared belief in Jesus. They've, they've put aside the other aspects of their culture that would uh, historically have put them at odds with one another. Not that those things aren't significant, but that they've become part of this new community that transcends those differences. You know, these people have come together and said, I want to be part of a community with you, even though we're different. Even though it's hard to get along with you sometimes, even though sometimes you might be a difficult person, I'm committing to being with you. Maybe people are saying, I'm a difficult person to be with, and I'm different than other people, but I want to be part of this community. In the, in the second half of uh, the 20th century, so like 1950s onward, in, in the world of church leadership, there was this new principle that came about, and it was called the homogenous church growth principle. And and put it charitably, this principle stated that it's easier for people to become Christians when they are asked to cross the fewest boundaries to becoming Christians. So in a sense of like... People become Christians more often when there are fewer racial, linguistic, cultural, or class barriers that prevent someone from becoming part of the community. And so what what happens with that principle is churches begin having um, programs and classes and missions that target 
people that, that look, dress, act, and behave just like everyone else in the church already. It's, it's a great way to grow a church really fast because we like hanging out with people that are like us. We're comfortable with that. We're, we're, we easily connect with people that look like us and talk like us and act like us. But in the end, as this unintentional consequence of becoming such a homogenized culture, community. Everyone just looks the same, behaves the same, and thinks the same. But Ephesians 2 says that when God gathers his people together, they are to be people from different backgrounds, different perspectives, different demographics. One author put it this way, people like to be around people like themselves. They feel comfortable in familiar, predictable patterns. They want to be people who enjoy the same teaching style, have the same musical preferences, and ask the same questions about marriage or parenting or dating, and and often they have the same skin color. This is the quickest, most efficient way to build a large church, to identify a segment of the population that shares a set of interests and then cater to them how you teach, sing, and build friendships. But this is not the way that God wants to gather his people together. He wants to have this new people, this new nation. That's why Paul says that we're citizens of a new people. We're citizens with the saints. This is what Paul is talking about. We have this new ID card. Like We belong to a new community that doesn't look like the rest of the world. We come together with people from different backgrounds, but our IDs, our our citizenship is the same. We're members and citizens of the kingdom of God. What unites us as the church is this common faith in Jesus, our shared experience of going from death to life, from being transformed by the Spirit. This is what we have in common with one another in the church. Those are the marks of of our citizenship in God. If you've ever traveled in another part of the world, maybe you've had this experience. Like traveling to another part of the world can be pretty um, overwhelming, like culturally so. It can be overstimulating. I mean, if you're in a foreign land and um, people look different, they dress differently, they use a different language, their food is different, the smells are different. But if, you're, if you've ever traveled in another country like that, um, maybe you've had the privilege of going to the U.S. Embassy in that foreign land. You know, if you're in the capital of Delhi in India and you go to the U.S. Embassy, you take your passport out, proof of your citizenship in, in the U.S., and they welcome you in. And you cross over into the U.S. Embassy, and then all of a sudden, it's like you're transported back home because you see people that, that you share a kinship with, and they dress like you dress. They talk like you talk. It feels like home. Paul is saying the same thing but opposite. That we live in a world in which we naturally find ourselves like at work or our friend circle with people that look just like us. 
But Paul is saying when God gathers us, like on Sunday morning when we come together as a church, we are stepping into the embassy of heaven where we see brothers and sisters in Christ who know what we're going through, who struggle in the same way we struggle, who celebrate and are joyful in the same things that we celebrate in and are joyful in. Friends, our citizenship as members of the kingdom of God, citizens of the kingdom, it transcends any friend group, any family, any association, any workplace. Our membership as citizens of God transcends all of that. That's that's the first thing Paul says, that God gathers us together because we are fellow citizens the kingdom of God. And so as the author of Hebrews says, let us not neglect coming together. Not not because of some rote rule of you have to go to church every Sunday. No, let us not neglect coming together because it is here that we walk into the embassy of heaven and see our fellow citizens together. The second illustration that Paul uses here is that we are building blocks built into a structure. He says this in um, verse 20, that we are being built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Christ Jesus himself is the cornerstone. We're being built into a household of God. Paul's using this illustration. the, 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 The audience would have either known about temples or had even visited the temple in Jerusalem. They would have seen these large stone marble blocks that had been set side by side, one on top of the other, to create this monumental structure. Paul is referencing that and saying, you, as the church, as the gathered people of God, are like stones built together, side by side, holding up one another. This is the illustration that Paul is using. And it's important for us to know that like, the, the structural integrity of the building is dependent upon each individual stone. I don't, I don't do much masonry, never done masonry, but I know that if there's a stone on the bottom of the wall that is weak and failing, it is going to jeopardize the structural integrity of the wall. Paul is saying is that we, as Christians, as part of the church, We are built together into this building. Yes, we're more than just individuals that come together. We're individuals that come together and link up with one another to build something bigger and greater than ourselves. The structural integrity of us as a church is dependent upon us coming alongside one another, supporting one another, holding one another up. When when one stone is weak and struggling, the whole building is weak and struggling. That's not reason to hide our weakness. It's actually reason to bring it out and say, hey, I'm not doing well. Can you come and hold me up? This past week, I, uh, I built a play set, swing set, in our backyard. It was something that had been uh, sort of sitting in pieces in our garage all summer long, and I I built it this week 
just in time for the snow to hit. Um, but hey, better late than never. And uh, it was a secondhand swing set. And when I, when I took it apart from the friend's house that we got it from, um, I, I sort of took it down in pieces so I could transport it. And I took out all the bolts and the screws and the washers and the nuts. And I put them all into a big bucket. And, um, and then the pieces were in our garage for a while. And so like this week, I, I brought everything out. And I'm looking at all the pieces. And I'm realizing, I don't have instructions. I don't know if the eight-inch bolt goes here or if that piece goes there, and uh, I, I was freaking out. I, I had pictures of what it was looking like, and I sort of went off of that, but by day two of three, uh, I realized this is not going to be structurally sound for my kids to play on. Uh, I mean, I, I was sort of doing the math, and I had I had more bolts than there were holes for, or you know, I had extra pieces. I didn't know where it went. So I, I bought a pack of deck screws and then just went to town, just screwing every piece together. That thing is not coming down because they're joined together. They're enmeshed and the pieces are enmeshed together. It's not coming down. Paul is saying we need to be like stones uh, uh, enmeshed together, linked up together, bonded together so that we can be the household that God wants us to be. That is what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to link up with one another. And that, look, that can sort of happen on Sunday mornings. I'm glad that we're sort of a, a, um, we're a friendly bunch. I, I like how hospitable we are. I like how people sort of just come and we welcome people as Christ has welcomed us. I love that about our church on Sunday mornings. But it's really hard to talk about like the mess of my life in the five minutes I have with someone before or after service. It's really hard to link up with someone just saying hi on Sunday morning. In the book of Acts, we just read that day by day, not only were they going to the temple to worship, they were breaking bread in their homes together. It's a sign of fellowship. It's a sign of friendship, of spending time with one another, of, of living life beside one another. If, if we want to be this glorious household of God as a community, yet, yes, we need to gather together on Sunday morning, but we also need to live our lives together outside of Sunday morning. That's what our story groups are designed to, to cultivate on, on Tuesday night and on Thursday night. We get together and we have a meal together. We have snacks together. We open up God's word together and talk about how does this text or this idea apply to our lives. We pray together. We spend we spend more time just talking to each other and catching one another up on our lives and how work is going or how this new friendship is going or how this person in my life is sick and can we pray for them? That's what story groups are designed to do, to, to live daily in the lives of one another, binding ourselves to one another, building ourselves up into this household of God. But it doesn't just have to be story groups. I know like Tuesdays and Thursdays don't work for everyone. So grab someone's phone number. Like call them up and grab coffee. 
Invite someone over for, for dinner. Go on a hike together. Call someone up and say, hey, can you pray for me about this? Or, or can I have advice? Like I'm going through this life change and this work change or this, this new issue with my family's come up and I don't really know what to do. Could you maybe speak some wisdom into that situation? Paul says we as individuals are like stones built together into a household of God. Finally, Paul uses a third illustration. That's sort of connected to the previous one. Um, he says that we are a structure built together, and it's not any ordinary structure. He says we are being built together into a temple for God through the Spirit. Now, Paul is referring to the temple in Jerusalem that most of the people in the ancient world would have at least seen or heard about. And they know, and maybe we need to be reminded that the temple was, for the people of God in the Old Testament, the place in which God broke through. It was the place in which the divine broke into our world, where the supernatural met the material. This is the place, the dwelling place of God, where his presence would come, and it would shine gloriously. This is the place where people would come to the, the gates of the temple, and they would worship God. They would pray there. They would offer their sacrifices there. They would worship God and sing songs of praise there. This was the temple. But now Paul is saying, you, church, you together now are the temple. You, when you come together when you operate as a community, are the temple of God. You are where God can be encountered in the world. You. He is saying, when we come together as a community, we operate like the temple operated in the past. We become the place in which people encounter God's grace we remind one another of the forgiveness that we have through the death of Jesus. We speak words of assurance and encouragement over one another. We receive God's grace in the midst of a community. There's no such thing as individual Christianity. God has called us to be his people, his temple, in which he comes and makes himself known and makes himself present so that when we come together, we encounter God. Elsewhere in scripture, actually right after the verse in 1 Peter that we read, Peter will call us a kingdom of priests. We are a temple of God and a kingdom of priests. Priests who worked in the temple, their job was to be a go-between, between God and the people. They, they would take the offerings from the people and they'd offer it to God. They'd take the prayers of the people and offer them to God. But then they would take the words of God and declare them over the people. They, they take the assurance of God's forgiveness and declare that over the people. Priests were operating like this mediator between the people and God, the go-between. 
When I was in seventh grade, I was really shy and did not want to talk to girls. But there was this one girl who I really wanted to take to the dance, but I couldn't talk to her. Her name was Lauren. So nervous. But I had my buddy Jake. I said, Jake, can you go and ask Lauren for me? She'll go to the dance with me. And he did. She said yes. But it didn't work out, and that's okay. I needed a, a go-between, a, a priest to go and, and, and talk to her on my behalf. That's what the temple does. It's this place in which communication and relationship can exist between God's people and God himself. And Paul is saying, you, as the church, both when you're gathered together and when you're scattered together, operate like a temple. There's three things we need to see in in conclusion about how we actually do that. The first is this. We are priests like the temple of old and should be praying, interceding on behalf of our neighbors. The priests in the Old Testament would take the prayers of the people and give them to God. We, as the temple of God today, should be bringing the prayers of our neighbors to God. We should be interceding for them, praying for them, pleading with God for their salvation, praying for their healing and their comfort. Who are you praying for in your life now who is not yet a Christian, who Paul is saying, you have this privilege and this responsibility and the authority to now pray for them on their behalf? Who are you praying for? I think we need to do a better job, and this is, this is all on me, uh, as a church and as story groups interceding on behalf of our neighbors. I, I, I'm ashamed that, that I don't have right now just a list of 20 people that I inter, interact with on a daily basis that I'm praying for. That's, that's on me. But maybe together we can do that. We can intercede for our neighbors. That's the first thing we are to do. The second thing, the way that we operate as a temple in the midst of uh, this world is we invite neighbors to experience God's grace in our community. So not only are we praying for them, we're actually inviting them to come into the things that we do so that they experience God's grace with us. Maybe that is inviting them to Tuesday night or Thursday night. Maybe that is inviting them to a guy's night or a women's breakfast or brunch or camping trip. Maybe it is inviting them into just going to the bar to watch the game together. When we invite our neighbors into things that we are doing as a church, they are experiencing the grace that we have for one another, the forgiveness that we offer one another, the kindness that we show to one another, the gentleness that we have for one another. All of those things we receive first from God himself through Jesus. But as we embody that together and then bring neighbors into that, then that's, that's probably our best evangelistic tool to show them what true community can look like. Third, and finally, we operate as this temple when we together as a community sacrificially love and serve our neighbors. It was at the temple that the priests would offer up a sacrifice in service to the people 
to God. We, we don't serve as a sacrifice to gain our salvation. No, we receive the one and the only sacrifice through Jesus, but then we turn and pivot and we sacrificially love our neighbors, pointing them to the one who gave himself for them. And so I'm excited for things like Saturday. We're going to go to the food pantry and serve our neighbors as a church. We're, we're invited. I mean, there are already eight neighbors in the community who have never come to Story Church who I asked through Facebook to come and serve with us. Like, isn't that awesome? We, we get to go and be the body of Christ, serving our neighbors and bringing our neighbors to experience that themselves. That is the mission of this church, to, to be God's people gathered together and scattered together, to experience God's grace and to share God's grace. When we say we exist to invite neighbors into a new story shaped by Jesus, this is it. This is the story. God has gathered us through his son, has poured out his grace on us, and is now commissioning us, scattering us into our neighborhood to love, pray, and serve our neighbors.